You know, that song goes on to say that the weapons that we have to fight these battles is praises and thanksgiving. And I'm telling you what, we're going to learn about the spiritual world for today and some of the mnemonic forces, the things that takes place. But I'm telling you what, that makes the devil shake and run and flee is that when we praise God, our Heavenly Father who loves us so much, and when we begin to give thanks for every situation, not for it, but in it, that we can thank God for what He's doing. And I'm telling you what, if you're visiting here today, this is your first time in a long time. If you're watching online, we believe that God is up to something in this house. God is changing people's lives. God is changing the city. God's about to change another city in grace and come on in January that we believe is going to continue to do great things. So come on, let's just continue to pray and ask God to move. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy and your goodness and your faithfulness. God, that is new every single day. And Father, we've come here this morning. You brought us here before the foundation of the world. You knew that we would be here today. That your sovereignty, that you woke us up this morning. You gave us breath in our lungs this morning. That we would be here in your presence. So Holy Spirit, speak to us. God, do what only you do. And it's open our eyes that we will see your son Jesus this morning. For if we will see Jesus, if we will encounter Jesus, we will not leave this place the same. So God, whatever brought us here, an invitation, a friend, we just wandered ourselves into this place. God, we know that we're here because you want us to hear. So what do you have to say to us today? We love you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Look at the person beside you and say, hey, I'm glad you're here today. Go ahead, tell them I'm glad you're here. Say, glad you're here too. Take me out to eat. Yeah, go ahead. Try to get a free meal. Welcome to Better Life Church. Well, we're in this series called Supernatural. It's October, right? Spooky stuff. Some of your favorite, you know, Halloween movies are back on. And this is a time where everybody kind of thinks of supernatural stuff and, and zombies and ghosts and things like that. And so I thought, why not do a series called Supernatural? Let's address some of this stuff. And so last week, if you missed it, we kicked off talking about angels. And if you have questions about angels, like, do angels have wings? And, and if I die, do I become an angel? And, and do I have a guardian angel that protects me everywhere that I go? If if you want to watch that, we encourage you to download our app, go back online and watch it. You can catch up real quickly in this series as we talked about angels last week. And today we're going to jump into talk about Satan and demons. All right, here we go. This is, this is going to probably uh, invoke a lot more questions, obviously, than the answers I have for you today. But I told somebody this week I was going to be talking about demons. They said, okay, I'm going to invite my mother-in-law. You know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, well, we were not going. I love my mother-in-law, so I definitely ain't going there. So if you're an in-law and you got invited today, you know what they think about you. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We are so glad that you're here. But the reality is this. We are in a spiritual warfare. You are in a spiritual battle every single day of your life. This morning, when you woke up and opened your eyes, you entered into a spiritual battle, a spiritual warfare. And I think it's justice for us to talk about this. Because a lot of times churches shy away from things like, you know, demons and angels. But there's a few 
few reasons. One, the Bible's very limited on some of the things that we know about it. Two, he's like, man, I just don't want to touch it, and I don't want to talk about it. So you have two different spectrums here. You have those who are like, don't talk about demons, don't talk about spiritual warfare, don't talk about Satan, just, just don't talk about it. And then you have the other guys on the other side who thinks there's a demon behind like every bush. You ever met someone like that? I mean, like they're on the way home for work, and all of a sudden they're trying to get there to watch something on TV and hurry, try to get home, make dinner, and like a tree falls, and it's in the middle of the road, and they're like, Satan, you ain't going to stop me today, and you made a tree fall. No, the wind blew the tree down. You know what I'm saying? Right? You ever met people like that? No, they're like, you know, I was on my way to church, and I got a flat tire. The devil gave me a flat tire. No, you ran over a nail. It wasn't the devil. Well, the devil threw the nail out there. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so many people on that far side think there's a demon behind every bush. But the reality is we got to have a healthy balance here. The church has to talk about this. You know, we shouldn't be afraid to talk about hard things that we don't really have all the answer to. Listen, it's okay if you don't have all the answers to these things. But we also need to talk about spiritual warfare as well because it's real. You are in a battle. Our foundational verse here at Better Life Church is John 10.10. 10. And John 10.10 10 says, the devil has come to still kill and destroy your life. He wants to destroy your family, your marriage, your kids, your, your, your finances, your health, your emotions, your intellect, your, your, your workplace, your school. He wants to do everything he can to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that they can have a real life, a more life, a better life than they've ever dreamed of. So we need to talk about this spiritual warfare, this enemy that's out to get us. Look at the person beside you. Say, you're in a spiritual battle. Tell them. Say, you're in a spiritual battle. Look back out and say, no, 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 you're in a spiritual battle. Just don't battle each other while, you know, during church time. So I'm going to walk you through. This series is really kind of like a Bible study. So if you like Bible study, this is really a big Bible study because I got a lot of verses I'm going to walk through. You're not going to be able to probably to, to capture all these. So maybe write the verse down. Uh, you could go back and watch this as well. But I'm going to walk you through some scripture as we talk about this, because the reality is I don't have all this figured out. I will share with you where I lean and the positions that I take, uh, but the reality is there's so many great scholars, there's so many great theologians have different positions, and at the end of the day, you know, we'll see when we get to heaven what's right or wrong, but I'm going to share with you from the Bible some of the things that the Scripture gives us a hint and a glimpse when it comes to this spiritual warfare. We're going to start with Ephesians chapter 6, so you, you go with, if you, if you want to flip somewhere in your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 1, I'll catch up with you there. But in Ephesians chapter 6, I want you to hear what Paul says. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood. Our enemies are not flesh and blood, mortals, bodies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. So Paul says this, when you think you're battling somebody at work or a spouse or a person, there's something behind the person. There's these evil spirits that rule and reign all over this world trying to influence you in a negative way. How did they get here? How did these evil spirits get to this place? How did they get in position where they can manipulate us and lie to us and cause division in our life? And there's one place in the Bible, it's found in Daniel chapter 10, where we can just get a very small glimpse of the spiritual warfare that's that we cannot see all around us, even right now, that's taking place. And in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel was praying, God, he was praying for a prayer request and kept praying and praying and praying. And all of a sudden, I want you to listen what Gabriel says. The angel Gabriel, we talked about angels last week, go back and watch that. But the angel Gabriel, listen, it comes to Daniel and look what he says. Don't be afraid, Daniel. 
Since the first day you begin to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven, and I have come in the answer of your prayer. The prayer is, I'm going to tell you about the future things to come. I know you've been praying, but I'm going to tell you about the future. And listen what happens, verse 13. But for 21 days, the spirit, prince of the kingdom of Persia, blocked the way. I was on my way from the, from, with a heavenly message to come to you, but because in the unseen world, the spiritual warfare has taken place, it hindered me from getting to you for 21 days. This battle got so far out of hand that look what happens. Then Michael, one of the archangels, we talked about him last week, if you want to check that out, came to help me. Michael came to help me. Like, Michael's like the chief dude, man. I mean, when Michael shows up, I'm like, you better watch out. This is a bad boy right here. Like, when Michael comes, he had to come and help fight this battle for me to get to you. He came, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, you and I don't see that. Honestly, if we could probably see the spiritual warfare going around us, it would freak us out. Literally freak us out. And so there's a battle going all the way around, and we're praying and asking God to do something, and God's will is going to be done. But the number one thing the enemy wants to do is to thwart the will of God, to stop God's will from being done in your life, in my life, and in this church's life. He's going to do everything he can to stop God and man getting on the same page, heading in the same direction. But the question is, how did this happen? How did we get to this point? Why is there evil in this world? Why is there sickness in this world? Why does death come to all of us in this world? And I'm, I'm going to take a position, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says this, now the only things that we know is partial. They're incomplete. But the day when we go home to glory, the day that we go to heaven, we will know what Christ knows. We will know and see the big picture. Even the Apostle Paul, two-thirds of the New Testament, how God inspired him to write this, says this, things that I know, it's just really partial. I don't have all this figured out, but I will share with you and walk through some of the scripture that we can see that we can tell from it how we got to this place. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 1. It all starts in Genesis chapter 1. I want you to listen to what verse 1 says. In the beginning, God created the heavens, plural, and the earth. So in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, we see that God created everything. When it says the heavens, I believe everything in the heavens. The angelic host, all the angels were created. He created his throne. He created everything. You see, God has always existed. It's too hard for us to understand that. Now, our minds can't fathom that. Our, our finite minds cannot grasp how an all-knowing God has always existed. But since God has always existed, he decided to create and he spoke the heavens into existence. And he created all the angelic hosts. All the angels were created. And then he creates all this universe and everything that we see. And then in verse 2, we see that he created, he saw that the earth was void and began to form it. 
I take the position, I lean to the position that somewhere between Genesis chapter one, verse one and Genesis chapter one, verse two, God created everything. All that we know to be angels, all the angelic coast. This is where Lucifer and Michael and Gabriel and all the archangels, the seraphim we talked about last week, all these angels were created somewhere in that verse one. And then if you know the creation story, right? Day two comes and day three and day four and day five and then day six. And on day six in Genesis chapter one, verse 31, look what the Bible says. I want you to see this. It says that God looked over all that he made and he said that it was very good. Now I lean to the position as of this moment right here in history, whatever day or whatever time that this is, the angels that we know and Satan that we know have not fallen yet. They have not fell yet. And the reason why, because when God looked at everything, the heavens and the earth, the angelic host and everything he made, he said it was very good. God would not have said that as evil already had entered into the world. So somewhere from verse 31, everything was perfect, everything was great. And then in Genesis chapter two, verses one through four, it says that God rested. Everything was great, he was good, and he rested. And then you know the count, he goes and makes man and he makes woman. But something happens, because when you get to Genesis chapter three, Satan is there. How in the world does Satan get in the garden? How do we go from the creation account and the heavens and the earth and day one and two and three and four and then five and six and then God rested and then he creates man and he creates woman and everything is good and they were naked and they knew no shame. They had no guilt. How come? Because sin yet hasn't entered into the world. Evil has not come into the world. Then all of a sudden the page is Genesis chapter three, verse one. Bam. We see Satan. Something happened between chapter two and chapter three. Something happened. Now, I don't know exactly the details, I don't know exactly what happened, but we know that something happened. And the Bible only gives us hints, only gives us a glimpse of what took place. In the New Testament, there's a little book called Jude, this little tiny book parked in the New Testament. And in Jude chapter six, I want you to listen to what Jude says. He says this, he says, I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely enchained in prison of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. Now, we know the great day of judgment is this, that there's a place called hell that was created for Satan and these angels who rebelled. We know that. Hell was not created for us. Hell was created for Satan and these fallen angels. And Jude tells us a little hint here that they left the limits of their authority. Well, Peter says it like this in 2 Peter chapter 2. He says, for God did not spare even the angels who sinned. How can an angel sin? How can a holy, righteous God allow Sin. How can a beautiful, angelic creation sin? How, how did that happen? How did this evil come about? Because God can't create evil. God can't sin. God didn't make it. How in the world 
did this come about? And he says here in verse two, in chapter two, verse four, he says, for God didn't even spare the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell and the gloomy pits of darkness where they were being held until the day of judgment. There are some angels the Bible alludes to that are still chained up that has not been released. I don't know why. I don't know what they have done for God to have hold them. But for Satan and the rest of those angels are loose on this world. In fact, he is the little G God of this world. And they roam, that's what Peter says, he roars like a lion looking to devour someone. And his angels will carry out, these fallen angels will carry out his will, his bidding. They listen to Lucifer. So they rebelled against authority and they left their post, the limits of what God had for them. But how did this all happen? When did this all happen? Where did this all happen? And we find two passages, one's in Isaiah and one's in the book of Ezekiel, that gives us a glimpse of what was going on in Satan that we know as Lucifer, what was going on in him that begun this downfall for him. And in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, I want you to listen to what he says. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. He is speaking to Lucifer. O star of the morning. See, Jesus is the great morning star. Lucifer's tactic is to mimic Jesus and to become and look like Jesus. He wants to be like God. And so he is called the star of the morning. The star of dawn, this is where we get the word Lucifer from. He says, you have been cut down to the earth. You have weakened the nations. Do you know one of the number one tactics, you can see this all through the Bible, one of the number one tactics in all the Bible is for Satan to do everything he can to bring down world leaders, to influence world leaders, to, uh, to go against what God wants. Do you know that? Isn't it ironic don't you think? Where are my Nani fans at? All right, all right. That Paul says we need to pray for our elected officials. We need to pray for those. Whether you voted for them or not, we need to pray for them and lift them up because there's something behind. They're trying their best to influence world leaders who leads nations. Do you all know this? It's one of his greatest tactics. And we think about, ah, we don't worry about them, or hey, let them do that. We should be praying for these people. We've been commanded as believers to do that. And listen to what he says in verse 13. And now we begin to see what's taking place. But you said, Satan, in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars, which are angels of God. I will sit on the Mount Assembly in God's seat in the recess of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will make myself like the Most High. I will be God. And now we begin to see something shift in Lucifer's heart. No longer in his own splendor and glory and, and majesty. He was satisfied with, he wanted to be God. Now this is God's right hand, most highest created being. Wanted to be like God. And we start seeing these words like, I 
will arise. I will set. I will ascend. I will be. Where is I rooted in? Pride. The devil became the devil because of pride. That's why James says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So Ezekiel breaks it down a little bit more for us to see what exactly is taking place. In Ezekiel chapter 28, I want you to listen to this. Now scholars debate back and forth who exactly is the author speaking to. Is he speaking to the earthly king, Tyra? Is he speaking to a future king who will be set up in the future to come? The reality is it doesn't matter if he was speaking directly to the future earthly king or a future earthly king in the, in the future to come. Because he looks past the human, he looks past the king, and he speaks directly to Satan who is actually influencing the king. And I'm going to show you how he is not speaking exactly to the human person. He's speaking to the one who's actually influencing the king behind them. And we can see that by the words that he says. Look what he says. Ezekiel 28, verse 11. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, take a laminate concerning the king of Tyre, and say to him, he speaks to the earthly king, but he's speaking past him to the one who's influencing. This is what the sovereign Lord says. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. See, I don't know exactly when the medieval time things took place where we begin to make Diablo and Satan look with these fangs and these horns and the pits for it. But let me tell you something. He is magnificent. He is beautiful. He's the most beautiful created being that God ever created. And see, we try to make up these fantasy things that the devil looks like this. Are you kidding me? He walks in all of his beauty and splendor. In fact, listen to how magnificent he is. Verse 13, you were in Eden, the garden of God. That's how come we know he's speaking to Satan because this human king was never in the Eden or the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, ruby and topaz and emerald and onyx and jasper and sapphire. We could keep going on and on and on. Your settings and mountains were made of gold on the day you were created, they were prepared. Now this is where we need to stop just for a moment, let you understand something. God created Lucifer. He has not always existed. He's not all powerful, he's not all knowing, and he can't be everywhere at the same time. See, a lot of people say, well, the devil made me do it. I doubt it was the devil. Because here's what we know, Satan can only be at one place at one time. He has free reign to run on this earth to the first, second, and the third heavens. He can go into the presence of God. We see this in Job. In the book of Job, Lucifer walks into the presence of God with the fallen angels and says, the only reason why Job won't curse you is because you protected him and blessed him. Let down the geofence and let's see what happens. Here's what happens. God says this, you can do whatever you want, you just can't take his life. Now listen to me, and this is hard for a lot of us to understand. Satan cannot touch us unless God gives him permission. The good news is he can't touch us unless God gives him permission. The bad news is sometimes God gives him permission. 
and that's hard for some people to swallow because when something happens in your life, we want to blame God. God, why? And we don't know. All that we have to get to this point is that, God, you're good, I trust you, and you know what's best. And we know what happens, how God changes and moves back in Job's life and greatly, and Satan falls, which means this, Satan is not all-knowing. Why waste my time on Job if I knew at the end it was all going to be good and God's going to work it all out? So when you, I want you to understand that he is a created, majestic, beautiful being who cannot be at all places at all times. But he does have fallen angels who do the bid work of him, trying their best to stop God's will in your life, your family life, your health, your resources, your finances, your academics, your knowledge, your emotions, doing everything they can to hinder you from doing what God wants. Verse 14, watch this. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. See, he can't be talking to an earthly king. For so, God says, I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways until the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. And this is where the Bible student raises their hand like, and I want to ask the question, how did wickedness get in him? If God can't sin, God can't create sin, and God doesn't create evil because God is not evil, how in the world did wickedness get in him? It's a great question. How did that happen? Verse 16, through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on the account of your beauty. Satan saw how beautiful that God created him and wanted more. He wanted to be the creator. And you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor, so I threw you to earth and I made you a spectacle of you before all the kings. So now when we look at Isaiah and we look at Ezekiel, we know what happened. Pride entered into Lucifer's heart. And the pride was, I want to be God. And the reason why the devil became the devil is because of pride. How can this happen? And when we look at this, and this is kind of hard to swallow and walk through this, I know. But there is no love without free will. And if we have no free will, we're just robots. And God, for some reason, allowed him to have a free will. And God, for some reason, allow him to choose. And God set everything up perfect. And everything was great. And the moment that Satan disobeyed, it says, I'm going to go against the authority because I want this, was the moment that evil entered into his heart. It was a choice. God didn't create him to be evil. God didn't make him to be evil. God gave him a choice, and he chose to go against what God had in place. And when you look at that, it's hard to come to the conclusion, but the reality is this. God did not stop him. God permitted him to fall. And it's not because God is not all-powerful. 
And it's not because God didn't have the power to do it. It's not because Satan is stronger than God. It's because God had a purpose for it. And this is a very sometimes hard place to get. But God's permission always is followed by, when we see through the scripture, a purpose. His permissions are always purposeful. And Satan and his demons do everything they can to bring you down and to keep you from the will of God. And sometimes God gives them permission. But we have to understand, and this is what I'm telling you, would kind of drive you crazy. You have to get to the point in your life and say, God, you are good and I trust you and you have a purpose, an eternal purpose that brings you glory for this because I don't understand it. I don't know why I had to get sick. I don't know why I had to use a loved one. I don't know why I have to suffer this way. I don't know why I'm tortured this way. I just have to get to the point that says, God, even now I know why. You are good, you're faithful, and you have an eternal purpose bigger than me. But the truth is, most of us can't get there. Because it's why me. And when you look at Job, God says it was because of his faithfulness. See, sometimes when things happen in our life, we think it's consequences from our sin. And they are consequences to your sin. But we think God is getting back at us and God is punishing us. No, God has found favor in you, worthy to suffer. Paul says, I want to know Christ and his sufferings. Because he knows that when he suffers, he is more like Jesus. And God found favor in him to suffer. See, that's why when we start thinking about death, death is actually a gift that we don't have to suffer anymore. And because of that, the enemy is here and moving about trying to destroy everything that God sets in place. He wants to influence leaders of nations. He wants to inflict suffering on you. He wants to lure you and tempt you away from God. He wants to paralyze you with fear. And listen, he's been doing it since Genesis chapter 3. You know what his tactic was? Eve, did God really say, did God really say that? And he's been doing that today. Is the, did God really say that a Christian shouldn't probably marry a non-Christian? Did God really say that? Did God really say, come on now, come on, this is the 21st century, right? Did God really say that marriage is only between a man and a woman? Oh, God. Did God really say that we should forgive our enemies? Come on, I, I want to hold a grudge. Did God really say that? And he's been doing the same tactic, trying his best to get you not to believe God's word. Folks, listen, there's something greater behind moving in all this. Listen, let me show you how this works a little bit. Let's say today you decide, you know, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to sleep in. And you wake up, man, you know, I'm tired. Next thing you have this voice, you've worked hard all week. You deserve the rest. Don't worry about the kids. They can watch it online. You can catch it online. You just, you just stay right there in bed. Where do you think that's coming from? You go to work tomorrow, ladies. Your husband's not giving the attention you think he should be giving you. But there's somebody at work that is. Why is he always nice to me? Man, if I, my husband treat me like that, I wish somebody treat me like that. 
man, if I was with him, man, we would never fight. We would never argue. Life would be good. Where do you think that comes from? Oh, that's really good what's going on in OV International. What's going on with Amy? That's great. Way to go. We got your back. That's awesome. Go for, go for it. It's good for you. But man, there's no way I can support that ministry. I mean, I, I live paycheck to paycheck. You know, I, I mean, I'm buying like 50 Starbucks a week. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know if I have an extra $30 to help sponsor a kid and do that. In fact, you deserve, you remember that car you were saving up for? You should save up for that car. And, and, and all of a sudden, you should get out of debt. Take that extra $30 and get out of debt because Dave Ramsey said she should get out of debt. Where do you think those thoughts are coming from? You see, there's an evil spirit. Paul says, we're not fighting against each other. It's not Republican versus Democrat. It's not you versus them. It's not your husband versus your wife. It's not your boss versus you. There's a spirit behind the flesh. And here's the crazy thing. Some of us, even who are Christians, don't even know we're allowing the enemy sometimes to use us. Remember Peter? I will die for you. I will fight for you. I will go to the grave, Jesus. You will never go to the cross. And Jesus looks right at him and says, Satan, get away from him. Peter didn't even know that Satan was influencing him to try to stop the will of God of Jesus going to the cross. So you need to be aware there is a spiritual battle all around. And when these thoughts come and this stuff begins to come, you need to stop and say, wait a second. Where is this coming from? What's trying to keep me from being part of what God's movement is and what he's doing? What's, why, what's trying to keep me from reading my Bible? Don't read that Bible. It's just an old book written by a bunch of men. We don't know if it's true anymore. And who, who believes that? You're saying that, did God really say that Jesus is the only way? What about all the other religions in the world? They're great, nice people. Come on. You, you're so narrow-minded. Who tells you that stuff? Where do you think that comes from? The Bible is just too hard to understand, and this is outdated book. Stay away from it. Why? Because he knows when you know the truth, the truth will what? And he does not want you set free. He wants you bound in the same chains that he is. In fact, we found out in Matthew 25 that hell was created for the demons and, and, and Satan. And it's his goal to take every single person he can with him to that place. So here's the question. What do I do? What do we do now? Now that I'm sitting here going, you don't need to be freaked out, like spooked out, like, oh my gosh, there's probably demons all around me. You're like, oh, no, it's your mother-in-law. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. We're glad you're here. Just want to make sure. It was pretty tense there, right? I mean, y'all just want to make sure you're okay now. We're almost done. Hang tight. You can go have lunch with her. But anyway, what do you do? Like every day when I get up, I know I'm in a spiritual battle. And I want to blame my wife and my kids and my coworkers and my boss. And I want to blame all this flesh and blood around them. And really there's something behind it. What do I do? Two things. And here's the first one. You need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. <laughs> this is church and you're a pastor. You're supposed to tell me that. Right? I mean, come on. Is that the foundation of why we're here? You're supposed to tell me that. Let me tell you why. It's important to receive Jesus. Because you will never, ever, 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 ever overcome this evil world apart from him. Listen to what John writes. 1 John chapter 5. 
for every child of God defeats the evil world. Become a child of God. And we achieve this victory through our faith. If we want to overcome this evil demonic warfare that is around us, we have to become a child of God, which is the exact same thing that Satan doesn't want from you. See, you'll sit here just in a moment. I'll give you a chance to respond. You're like, man, I don't know if I'm ready for Jesus yet. Man, if I give my life to Jesus, I got to quit looking at this, quit going there. I got to get rid of all my friends. I mean, they're going, I can't do this anymore. I mean, I just don't know if I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Where do you think that thought comes from? The Bible says the God of this world, the devil, seeks to blind every unbeliever from seeing that Jesus is his son. And so when you sit here and you go, I just don't know if I'm ready for it yet. I don't know if I really believe all this Jesus stuff. You know why you're saying that? It's because there's a demonic spirit blinding you. Look what he says. Look what he goes says. Verse 5. And who can win this battle against the world? Who can win this? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Listen, I'm going to share this right now, and this is going to offend some of you, but it's okay because the gospel is offensive. There's only two teams in the house. I know this is Moorhead, one town, one team. I understand all that. I get it. I get it. There's two teams in the house. There's team Jesus, and there's team Satan. You were on one of those teams. There's no middle ground. There's no in-between. Either you are or you're not. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus and believe that he is God's son and that God resurrected him from the dead, watch this, you will be saved and placed into the family of God and you'll be on team Jesus. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, listen to me, I love you enough to tell you this, you're on team Satan. Well, pastor, that's pretty offensive, man. I'm a pretty good person. I mean, I don't mess up too bad and I, I don't beat my wife and I don't have like bad, bad language. I watch a few little things, but come on, I'm a pretty good person. In fact, I'm better than most people who go to church. But here's what you got to understand. Good people don't go to heaven. Where in the world do you find that good people go to heaven? Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And there's a big difference. And for you to say, well, I'm good enough, where do you think that comes from? So here's your choice today. You can be on Team Jesus or you can stay on Team Satan. You're on one of them. And if you're on Team Satan, you're an enemy of God, you're a foreigner in the land, and you'll never, ever, ever overcome this world, ever. And you will end up in the same place that God created for the fallen angels and Satan. So I beg you, whether you're watching online or in here today, give your life to Jesus. Now here's the second thing. Pastor, I've given my life to Jesus. You know, I'm a Christian and I still battle and I still have all this. I understand there's spiritual warfare. There's things we could talk about in Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the armor of God, the helmet, the breastplate, the righteousness. I, I get all that. But if you really want the devil to flee, you have to. Here's the second thing. Resist the devil. Receive Jesus. Resist the devil. Oh, 
Pastor, where did you get this? I am so glad you asked. James chapter 4. Watch this. Watch this. This is fascinating. Look at the promise that we as Christians have. But God gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. That word oppose means to wage war. God says, I wage war against every prideful, arrogant person's heart. Why? Because his right-hand man, Lucifer, became the devil because of pride. And I'm going to wage war against the proud. But I'm going to give grace and favor. Do you want to wake up tomorrow morning with the favor of God on your life? I mean, you think about that. I'm going to walk with the favor of God. How do I get the favor of God on my life? You humble yourself. And here's how you know you humble yourself. Look what the next verse says. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. We have never been called to go fight the devil. We never say pursue the devil and fight him. We've been told to resist. That word submit is a military term. It means to fall in rank. It means to see a higher order. God, you're God, I'm not God. You lead, I don't lead. I'm going to submit myself to you. And by submitting, I'm going to resist the devil. Resist means to stand firm. I don't have to fight him. I don't have to kick him down and punch him. I'm going to stand firm. That's what resist means. Paul says in Ephesians 6, stand firm. Resist the devil with the armor of God. So I'm just going to stand. How do you resist the devil? Now watch this. Resisting only comes by submitting. And that's when we say, you're God. I'm not. Your will be done, not mine. I'll go where you want me to go to school. Not what I want to go to school. I'll marry who you want me to marry. Not so much what I want. I'll take the job that you want me to take. Not what I want. Your will be done. You're Lord and I am not. I will humble myself before you, oh God. (laughs) And when you kneel and humble, you're in a position of resisting the devil because the only power that Satan has now is lies. That's it. John 8, he's the father of lies. And he will lie to you. Did God really say that? You should do that. He will lie to you. But watch this. When I submit to God, here's what I'm saying. I'm submitting to your truth. And when I stand in God's truth, and when I know the truth, what will the truth do one more time? set you free. I don't have to worry about the demonic stuff around me, the forces. I'm not going to focus on it. I'm not going to try to find and look for the devil behind every single tree. I'm going to submit my life and authority to God's Word. I'm going to stand. And guess what? He fights my battles. He fights my battles. I'm going to ask you to bow your hands. So what do you do?
if you're like me, you probably have a lot more questions. I do. I have questions. But I know a lot of my questions will not be answered on this side of eternity. How could all this happen? And why did God orchestrate it and let it be this way? I don't know. But here's what I do know. That Satan and the angels do not get a second chance. It's over for them. But God in His grace and His mercy became one of us, died on a cross, got up out of the grave so that me and you today can have a second chance. Genesis chapter 1, God creates the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1 verse 31, everything God created was good. Genesis chapter 2, God rested and He created Adam, He created Eve, then watch this in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, Satan enters the garden. But here's what I want you to know about that. 14 more verses down in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, the Bible already tells us what God's redemptive plan was. He says, Satan, you will strike my son's heel, but he will crush your head. And at the cross, Satan took a snap at his heel and killed him. But he didn't expect three days later, Jesus got up out of the grave. And when he did, he dealt the final blow to Satan and destroyed him and disarmed him. So if that's you today and you want to be on Team Jesus, the Bible says if we would confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that is, if that is you today, whether you're watching online or you're in the house, if you want to give your life to Jesus, here's what I'm asking you to do. If you want to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you right now, just like we did in the first service, to stand up. Right now, you want to give your life to Jesus. I'm ready to be on Jesus' team. Right now, stand up. Come on, anybody else? By you standing shows that you're going to submit to His authority. Because the devil, don't let him sit there and lie to you. Oh, what are people going to think? What will people say? You're not ready. I'm not going to listen to that lie anymore. God, would you now remove the scales that we may see you? Anybody else? Come on. You know why you're standing today? It's because the power of the Holy Ghost in you gave you the power and the unction to stand to your feet because nothing in this world wants you to stand. And by you standing, you are confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. So church, I want you to take your, open your eyes. I want you to look around the people standing up. We learned last week, watch this, that when one person gives their life to Jesus. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's everybody stand up. When one person gives their life to Jesus, all the angels rejoice. Let's keep rejoicing with the angels for what he's done today. Come on. Thank you for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. You can let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app available on any major platform. Lastly, if you're interested in supporting what God is doing in this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying that you have a great week and we hope to see you again soon.